Hello, and welcome to Make It Clear, a conversational podcast about all things related to water and wastewater. I'm your host, Angela Bounds, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Rapp. In each episode, we'll tackle a relevant topic with facts and expert opinions and make things clear. Hello, and thank you for joining us again. As always, I'm joined by Sean. Hi, Sean. Good morning, Angela. And today we have with us David LaPrey. David is one of our engineers. He's served many, <laughs> many different roles in his time with us. Hi, David. Hey, Angela. How are you doing? Good. So today, David is here to talk to us about some of the myths surrounding liquid-only sewers. So there are a lot of myths and misconceptions around around liquid-only sewers. It's not something that, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but it's not something that is really taught in university in a lot of engineering programs. And it's something that not everybody fully understands. So that allows the perpetuation of a lot of myths and misconceptions. So today we wanted to talk about a few of them and what their reality really is. So why don't we dive right in? And just real quick, hey, David, I know that uh, we have a webinar that we talk about this too. This is probably going to be a little bit more of a natural conversation around those topics as opposed to the more technical nature of that webinar. So I think uh, some of our listeners are probably listened into that webinar before, but if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't, you might want to check that webinar out. You can find it on our website and we'll talk a little bit more at that at the end of the, of the uh, podcast episode too. But again, welcome David. And yeah, let's just dive right in. Angela. Yeah. So the first myth that we want to talk about is municipal collection systems are always gravity pipe and lift stations. Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, Angela, as an engineer, I went to, I went to college and learned about sewer systems, which were, and, and collection and treatment were always separated, separated, right? You would do it, you do your collection design for your municipal sewer. And then another engineer would come along and you'd have uh, your treatment system. So with, with, you know, with the immersion of of other types of technologies the the you know and and especially in this in times like today where you know people are looking for solutions that are sustainable and green you know the, mm-hmm. these these technologies are coming out but our our university systems aren't necessarily keeping up and there are there are a few programs out there that that talk about these but you know really re- really it it's something that needs to be i think put out there more often right with the pressure sewers, you know, they 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 feel a need. I think that 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 is evolving in this country and throughout the world. And mm-hmm. I think what we're going to see in 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 the future is is more advanced technologies like this that are going right. to I take the place that. of the old old gravity thought patterns. Right. So the myth is that all municipal systems. If you're putting in in a municipal system, they're always gravity pipe and lift stations, and that's just not the case. Yeah, that's right. There's other other sewer collection technologies out there, and, and liquid only sewers are only one of those options. Mm-hmm. You know, there's vacuum sewers, 
mm-hmm. grinder systems. There's right. there's a few different options. Mm-hmm. So so when we start, you know, as an engineer, I don't want to be I don't want to be necessarily discounting anything up front. I want to be able right. to look at all my alternatives mm-hmm. for collection systems. Yeah, there are options. So is gravity pipe an option? Yes, it's an option. But so are liquid-only sewers, vacuum sewers, grinder sewers. They're all part of that that option pack that you can look at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, too, and David, uh, you probably would chime in on this, too, but I think municipal size has a lot to do with where you fall on that spectrum as well. I mean, if you've got a small community, you probably aren't going to be thinking so much about big gravity sewers because those those big pipe sewers tend to run a lot more financially and you would need mm-hmm. a lot more funding. That's the word I'm looking for. As opposed to because your 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 base for collecting fees and, and running the sewer and so on and so forth isn't going to be as robust if you, you only have like to say ten thousand people in a location as opposed to a hundred thousand people in a location. Am I sort of on the same or on the right yeah. point? There? Yeah, a lot of that has to do with the densities too, because if you a smaller community it's going to be usually less dense than a, you know a large a large city you know and and so the the cost per foot of 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 pipe is going to go down uh, the denser the community is mm-hmm. so so it does it it does financially make a lot of sense for these smaller communities and and even the larger municipalities there's there's um there's needs for it as well engineers are creatures of habit and and a lot of engineers have designed with gravity sewers over and over and over again. Right. And so, and, and, and these engineers, you know, that are, that, that have this, these options don't necessarily, you know, aren't necessarily looking for any type of solution. They want to, they want to continue doing what they're, what they know and what, they're what comfortable they've always with. done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about myth number two. We've covered this a couple of times on different web or on different podcasts and in webinars. But myth number two is that inflow and infiltration are an inevitable design parameter for municipal collection systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I, I mean, I grew up, I, uh, I lived on the coast for a while. I grew up on the coast, I lived on the coast mm-hmm. for, before I came to Orenco, actually, I, I lived in, in a little town on the Oregon coast. And I remember every time we get the heavy rain, which, which is happening right now. Right. The treatment plant would just get overwhelmed, and they mm-hmm. discharge everything into the ocean. There's nothing you can do about it at that point, right? There's no, right. there's no solution. And you know that was just that was just uh, the the nature of it, because an accepted I I, practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, and really, you know, the the solution is to try and go in there and and fix old pipes by by mm-hmm. lining them, but that's only a temporary solution. Pressure mm-hmm. sewers provide that long term. Mm-hmm. Ability to eliminate, almost eliminate the INI from a system, which is, right. which is something that you know is is my book is is really a an important thing because again when I was when I was studying collection systems, we always had a peaking factor that we had to associate with INI when we did our mm-hmm. designs, mm-hmm. and you still see that today, especially with engineers who are trying to design. Liquid only sewers, right. only understanding collection systems with gravity sewers, they're trying to they're trying to apply these peaking factors of I and I to 
pressure sewer designs and it and it does, doesn't make any sense and so that's right. one of the things i'm i'm always pushing with with these engineers is is how 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 to appropriately design liquid only sewers right right it's not an inevitable design parameter it's something that you attempt to eliminate from the design completely yeah all right myth number three liquid only sewers cost too much to operate and maintain yeah, this one. Yeah, this one. You know, you you think about a liquid only sewer. In a liquid only sewer, you have an on-site component, an on-site tank, and and equipment at each each individual location, whether that's a home or a commercial building. Mm-hmm. And you've got you know you've got pumps and a control box, floats, and you and when you when you think about some of these larger systems that we have, you know, you're in the thousands of connections and and. And you know, initially, a, a lot of a lot of conversations start with, "Well, how can you operate and manage that many, you know, that many point points of of conveyance?" And the answer is, "Well, you can because there, you, you're you're putting in something that's really robust that's going to last a long time, and and at each location, and you don't you don't have to visit that site but once every five to ten years." Right. And so, you know, it. it when you when you compare it to gravity systems, we and and the nice thing is we have a, a good partner in the city of Lacey that that has a large gravity collection network and and a large effluent sewer, liquid only sewer component as well, and mm-hmm. and they keep tabs on all of their all of their data on what it takes to operate the two systems, and they're they're actually spending less per connection every year to operate their liquid only sewer than they are their gravity sewer. Right. And I, I think we see that a lot, right? Like when we see these numbers coming in, it's it's typically less, if not significantly less. Yeah. In a gravity sewer. Yeah, because you're using you're using larger equipment for the gravity sewer. You have to, you know, there's heavy investment in that. The I and I only gets worse over time, so you're constantly having to invest more and more resource into trying to correct that. Mm-hmm. Lift stations, less items to maintain. Yeah, yeah. You don't have the lift stations. You don't have to worry about all the equipment it goes to lift stations, like generators and SCADA units and all that other stuff. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I've worked on several projects when I was in other other departments that are Renco systems, and I know that uh, there were several communities, and you tend to notice this more in smaller communities that have pressure sewers, where they have one operator that not only operates their treatment facility, but they also operate the treatment facility in the next town over and the next town over. And it's just one guy. He's got enough time in his normal work week to be able to respond to all three communities and still maintain their systems. You know, it's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting comparison to larger gravity type systems. And I think with operators too, is that there is that same mentality that, you know, this is what I've always done. I know gravity sewers and the the idea of having to deal with all these pumps and and different components that I'm not familiar with, you know, is is not something I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. All right, myth number four: on lot tanks need to be pumped every two to three years. This is kind of tied with that idea of operation maintenance because you know one of the one of the things you're doing, and and we'll talk about biosolids, I think, later on. One of the things we're doing is we're we're providing wastewater treatment, right, with a with a pressure sewer, liquid only sewer, mm-hmm. unlike any of the other 
types of collection systems. In fact, you won't find another collection system that does primary treatment. And with you know, with that, you you are going to be doing some processing on lot mm-hmm. with these in these tanks, and that's with you know with the solids you are going to eventually have to manage those. Mm-hmm. So so tank when I you know when I look at tank pumping, you know a lot of a lot of times I see municipalities or liquid only sewer operators pump uh, have have a mandate to pump their tanks every few years because they don't want obviously you don't want your tank to fill up and back up into the house right because that would be right not not fun yeah <laughs> that'd be bad yeah so you know it, it, so it's better safe than sorry right and, uh, right and and that's how they and that's how they see it but in reality what you're doing is in those tanks you're 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 depleting the solids over time so they're they're constantly digesting themselves and you mm-hmm. get a, actually you get a long sludge age, and you get a very efficient sludge. The longer the the, the older it is, and so mm-hmm. you know after time it's digesting better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And so if you can maintain that those solids in that tank, what you're going to do is a lot more work passively and environmentally. You know, it, which is a better solution environmentally than trying to push everything down to a treatment plan and get rid of it and 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 deal with all these major amounts of solids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let the bugs do their work. Right. Essentially so, the bu- the bugs that are naturally occurring yeah. in your in your stomach essentially. Right. Yeah. And so the, you know and and so we've done studies and 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 we have all this data from Glide Oregon where we looked at well actually how long does it take for a tank to to fill up if you're if you're going to leave it for a long time and we have we have we have a good feel good feel for this now based on all the information all the data we've been able to collect and and typically you're looking at about a 10 to 15 year pumping interval for most homes if you know based on the tank size so it's mm-hmm. and that's what we target and if you can do that not only are you going to reduce the cost of of having to pump it, pump out the tank but you're going to allow that system to do what it's intended to do and digest all those solids. Right. Well, in Glide, we pump based on sludge and scum accumulation, not some arbitrary year recommendation. We measure just on service, right? We go mm-hmm. out and service the system once a year. You measure sludge and scum accumulation and pump based on where that's at. Yeah. I, I, I think... You know, once a year is probably really, really a, uh, a high interval. Or mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that uh, especially with the new, the new technologies out there on the market mm-hmm. for for liquid only sewer, I think that you could probably visit a site every five to five to eight years and be just mm-hmm. fine. But yeah. that is going to include using a sludge judge and 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 checking what your levels are in that tank and trying to get a good feel. As an operator, what I'm going to do is I'm you know, I'm going to go out there and measure it and measure it and get a good feel for how fast they're accumulating and try to get that pump tank or that the tank pumped mm-hmm. at the most efficient time. Yeah. All right. Our last myth. Biosolids management is easier if everything is transported to a centralized plant. Right. Yeah. Because now we're, you know, that for the, with the traditional method, of collection, that's what you do, right? You grab your collection, you're sending all your solids down. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing you're treating at your plant. You're going to put in a primary clarifier that's going to catch all your solids. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to treat the liquid. And so so what that means is that the larger your system is, the bigger your clarifier needs to be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're going to design those clarifiers with a very small retention time, meaning that, you know, those solids are only going to sit in there for maybe a day or two before they're pulled out and managed somewhere else. Right, right. So that's a lot of energy, a lot of cost, a lot of work. And, right. you know, that's with with effluent sewer or for liquid-only sewers, what we're doing is we're holding solids for for many, many years and allowing mm-hmm. that digestion to happen. So the actual amount of solids that you have to pull out of all your tanks and deal with compared to the treatment plan is you're looking at about an 80% reduction. Yeah. And, and so instead of having to spend money and energy dealing with them, at the plant, you do that locally at the source. Right. Most most municipalities are set up too to be able to pump all these tanks because, you know, a lot of a lot of areas have these outlying areas where everybody's on septic tanks, and so there's mm-hmm. pumper there's there's uh, companies set up to to be able to go out and pump pump tanks. So already it makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. All right. Well. Thanks for joining us, David. Any other myths you'd like to dispel? Uh, I think that's all I got today. All right. If any of our listeners have myths that they'd like us to address, they can feel free to drop us a line through our website, and we'd be happy to answer any of them. So thanks for joining us, David. Thanks for being here, Sean. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Take care. We want to thank you again for joining us today. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.orenco.com. Until next time, have a great day.